Welcome to the SpireCast, a bi-weekly podcast from Spire Workforce Solutions in Atlanta, Georgia. So non-competes, what exactly is this document or required paperwork? Oftentimes it's required by an employer at the time of hire or at some point during your tenure. And questions often arise about existing non-compete agreements as candidates seek new employment and what to do when it comes into play throughout an individual's career. So we brought in Brian Jacketo, a licensed attorney in the state of Georgia, to speak with Mike a little bit further on what makes up a non-compete agreement, how they function, and a few other lesser known details. And note, in no way is this podcast or its guests meant to represent legal counsel or advice. And should you be in a position where you would like like to seek legal advice on this subject, please seek legal counsel of your own. So non-competes, I get this a lot. We work with a lot of folks that cross over from job to job in the same industry. And in fact, that's where our clients really look for us is getting subject matter expertise. And that's why they use us. So um, pretty often it comes to what's in your non-compete, what can, what can and can't you do moving forward in your career. And so I thought today we'd take a moment, bring in uh, Brian Jacato, uh, my brother, who is a licensed attorney in the state of Georgia to kind of dispel some of the myths out there. And obviously I'm not an attorney and I probably have some um, thoughts about it that are incorrect or correct. And Brian can kind of expand on what works and what is um, practical in today's employment market. So I think in general, when we get to the point where there's an offer letter or an exit from a company, people don't truly understand what they are signing in a non-compete and what it entails. So I think, Brian, can you just go into what is a non-compete? Yeah, sure. I mean, a non-compete is, as it sounds, it restricts an employee's ability to compete with his employer, his or her employer during and after the the employment relationship. Um, a lot of people don't understand that they're typically are several things that have to be included in these non-competes. Um, one of them is that they have to be in, in reasonable in time or duration, so you can't have a non-compete that just goes on forever. Um, they also need to be reasonable in geographic scope, so they can't prohibit someone from working anywhere in the state or anywhere in the country. Uh, it needs to be limited. Usually a radius of 25 miles in Georgia is considered reasonable. And then they have to be limited in their scope of activity, so you can't just tell them you can't compete in any way or shape or form against us and deny that person the ability to work and earn a living. So with regard to the latter, the last piece of that, obviously it makes sense if you're signing something and, you know, I'm not going to go across the street and take my my relationships and and my knowledge of the market over to company A. Um, And in terms of, you know, the, the length of it as well, that makes sense. You know, a year, two years, it sounds like is pretty, pretty normal. Yeah. But in, two, two years is definitely the standard here. Okay. So, but in terms of um, the viability of the the act of competing, so you what I'm getting is, I think this is where the, the biggest misconception is for employers. Um, they're under the impression that their employer employees can't go, even if they even if they are outside of 25 miles and without a you know within a year. Um, but they can't go work for a competitor as long as they're not doing the same exact job. So can you expand on like that last part that you mentioned with, with what they can do? Well, there, so there's, there's a, a, a several elements there that, you know, you don't, in Georgia in particular, and I, and I keep defaulting to Georgia because that's where I practice in, and these, these are, states treat these things differently. 
Um, so I don't want to say, you know, different talk about cities. California, you know, non-compete law is going to be different from Georgia. So it's New York. But um, in Georgia, you actually can just put specific competitors and say, you cannot work for company X because they're my competitor. And in that case, you really are generally not allowed to work for them in any capacity. Okay. Um, but, you know, more broadly, if you don't have specific competitors or, you know, you can't have competitors, just a long list that is overly burdensome on your employer or your employee, excuse me. Um, and again, it all goes back to the, the hardship on the employee. So if you are absolutely dis- not not making it possible for this employee to work um, in, its, in his or her trade, then a court's going to look at that and say, that that's not really reasonable, so we're not going to enforce it to that degree. So, I mean, if you're in sales, let's say, sales are is a position that is often covered by non-compete, but let's say you sell you know, toothbrushes for Oral-B and you want to go work at Sonicare, you probably are going to be prohibited from doing that for you know at least the two-year duration, year-and-a-half duration, whatever it may be that you sign to, because it's just too, the, the, the similarities line up too much. It doesn't mean you can't go be in sales somewhere else or sell other things besides toothbrushes. But if you engaged in sales of toothbrushes for, for Oral-B and you were introduced to customers and clients through Oral-B, that's sort of proprietary information of that business. And courts are going to say, okay, that's, you know, that's a legitimate business interest that needs to be protected and it's protectable. Um, so we're going to enforce a non-compete for, you, for that particular salesperson to go over to a direct competitor like, like uh, Sonicare. Mm. Um, but again, if they say, oh, you can't go sell, you know, toothbrushes anywhere in the world or anywhere in the country, let's say, um, for maybe someone who's not as direct a competitor, maybe it's a uh, Walgreens or something like that. And, uh, you want to go s- be a salesperson for Walgreens and part of your job is maybe selling toothbrushes, but you do other things too. You sell mm-hmm. other things. Um, of course going to say, look, you are unreasonably restraining trade at this point with this contract. So that's against public policy of this state of the state of Georgia. You know, we always want to facilitate trade and competition. So then a court is not going to, uh, generally speaking, not going to enforce something like that. That's that's that broad. Mm. And so even even with that, though, it's, generally speaking, that's not foolproof for the employee to feel that they can take that and, and run with it, they, they, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, and a lot of the, it's called a, the interorum effect, um, which is like a Latin term you learn in law school. It basically means in fear. And a lot of it is these, you know, employers will maybe craft a non-compete or get their employee to sign a non-compete that they're aware is kind of unenforceable. Mm-hmm. But they're uh, you know sort of banking on the fact that the threat of litigation down the road will be sufficient to sort of curb that employee into, you know, when they leave, um, picking a, a vocation or a career path after that that doesn't sort of cross or intersect with their current employer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, I get questions all the time, hey, is this enforceable? Is this enforceable? Um, and often the answer is likely no, but who wants to pony up $150,000 to fight this thing? That's what you're charging these days? Yeah, <laughs> that's per, <laughs> per day. <laughs> um, no, that but makes yeah, sense. yeah, and, and the, you know, you look at the deep pockets of the companies, um, who I represent and love, by the way, and <laughs> never speak ill of, um, but you look at that and they just have a, they're more fundamentally capable of bearing the burden of these lawsuits. So maybe they do draft a non-compete that's too burdensome on the individual, but then that individual has to go through the process of the court system, drag it out for potentially years, and then finally get an answer saying, oh, you're right, it is enforceable, but, you know, you've drained your budget. And so that's where the employers need to, need to keep this in mind. There's still a business reason to 
go to court or to litigate each one of these non-competes and is it worth it? I think it comes back down to it. And I think for a star salesperson that could be taking a couple of key accounts, that would be worth it mm. um, because that's, that's probably making their business almost at a point where they, they could potentially go out of business. So, right. um, so I think employers, a couple of things that I've heard over the years, and this is what I wanted to get your thoughts on from just a non-compete perspective. Obviously we understand there's non-solicits involved. That's separate, mm-hmm. but I've heard that employers, when they make uh, employees sign an agreement, and this is more towards after the fact of employment, so changing the employment agreement. So let's let's maybe use this example, but um, they need to mention it to their employees. They can't just like, hey, sign this, and and uh, we're we're upgrading our systems or whatever. They have to actually let them know this is a non compete. Review it, take twenty four forty eight hours, and then come back. Mm-hmm. Is that fair, or can they just sit, tell them to sign it? Well, I mean. <laughs> You definitely want to mention it if you're having your employee sign it, um, and that's more of a basic contract law issue because one of the fundamental elements of a contract is uh, mutual assent or mm-hmm. meeting of the minds. So if you just, you know, sort of willy-nilly snooker somebody yeah. into a non-compete agreement, Schnooker. look, you sign this. Great word. <laughs> and uh, you, know, I, you know, I've never seen that in my life. And like, <laughs> the court's going to say, okay, well, that's not a contract because they had no idea that they were entering yeah. into it. It's also, you know, I don't want to go too far afield, but, you know, the click wrap agreements and stuff like that, those are often found to be difficult to enforce because nobody reads them. Right. Um, and so it's sort of like that in, in that respect as well. Um, and you, do you have a second part of that? Question? Yeah, well, there's, well, there's, so with that, so then let's just say they say, okay, we're signing a new non-competes today. Our business has changed, et cetera. Y'all need to get up to date with what we're doing. Um, we're going to give you $5,000 to sign it, you know, just sign it. Is that allowed? Uh, yeah, uh, I, that's actually uh, quite generous of the, of, the, <laughs> of the company to do that. I mean, in, in again, we have to keep bear in mind that every state is different and then every locality may be different. Sure. Um, but state of Georgia? Yeah, st- state of Georgia continued employment is sufficient okay. um, consideration for the for the agreement. So, you know, a lot of times when I, even when I, you know, do new agreements for my, my clients, you know, you'll have them sign it and say, in consideration for the continuation of your employment. So does that mean, so you, I was also told you can't tie it to future employability, meaning like if you don't sign this by the end of the week, you're terminated. That's not, that's okay, you're saying? Uh, again, in Georgia, yes. Uh-huh. Um, it's an at-will employment state. You can be fired for any reason that's not illegal, essentially. And, can, and then employees can quit at any reason. So. Yeah, for any reason or for no reason. You can say, right. I don't know, I just don't want you here. And that's okay. Is okay. The SpireCast is a bi-weekly podcast produced by Spire Workforce Solutions. If you'd like to learn more about Spire, how to work with a company like us, to find the right career path, or if you want to hire more effectively and strategically, visit our website at spireworkforcesolutions.com. Connect with Mike, Matt, and the rest of the team on LinkedIn, or drop us a line at 732-859-7708. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. You've been listening to The Spirecast.